You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join Coach C, a USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to Absolute Empowerment. Uh, tonight we have a, a very special guest. Uh, someone who I am very familiar with for a few different ones. Uh, but we've got Terrence Copper with us, former receiver at East Carolina University and former receiver in the NFL with the Cowboys, the Saints, the Ravens, and the Chiefs. I think, Terrence, for a total of about, what, eight seasons? Is that correct? Nine. Nine seasons. Okay, yep. I stand corrected. <laughs> so, uh Great to have you on the show. And uh, the other thing that I wanted to say, you know, in the introduction here is uh, uh, I think that you are recognized as a great husband, uh, a great father, uh, someone who really cares about developing the community. So uh, definitely just wanted to mention that. We're going to get into that in more detail, but uh, those things are very important as well in relationship to everything else you've accomplished as an athlete. Thank you, coach. And, and one thing I want to do, I want to just thank you for having me on. Uh, you are, I think I tell you this all the time we talk, you are a big reason of why I was able to accomplish a lot of things I was able to accomplish because of the mental toughness that you instilled in me, you know, so I'm thankful that I can, it can be a full circle and I can come back onto your show and talk <laughs> about some things but uh, you definitely played a huge part in my development in life and on the football field. Well, I really appreciate that. That gives me great satisfaction to hear those things. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to, uh, I want to get into some things that you probably don't normally talk about uh, in these podcasts. And uh, of course I've mentioned it to you that this is a Christian podcast and I know that you have a strong spiritual commitment and, uh, have had that that probably through your entire life, but that's what I want to kind of get back into is uh, you know the factors starting out in your childhood and possibly even your church, your family uh, that started to, to to build that man who would later experience greatness. And uh, so you know, tell us a little bit about growing up in Washington, right? Right. Yep. Little Washington. Okay. Yep. So look. So I grew up. Uh, I grew up. I was. I grew up in Little Washington. I was raised by my mother and my grandmother, but my mom worked a lot, so right. I wasn't at the house all the time because she was at work. But I was. At, I was with my grandmother most of the time. Uh, so, but one thing about it is, it was in my grandmother's house. It was a small room I stayed in, and it was me, my brother, and my two cousins, and all four of us had different sets of friends. So even though we stayed in the same room. At any given time, you could have about 10 guys in that one room on the weekend because he may, my brother may have a friend, a friend or so to stay over. I may have a friend or so to stay over. And so it was just like it was a big old family in that room. But one thing that was that was pushed towards us when we was young is I don't care 
who spend the night. That's my grandmother said. I don't care who spend the night with you, but tell them if they stay the night Saturday night, they better bring their church clothes because they got to go to church on Sunday. That was the rule. Uh, it wasn't getting around that rule. We went to church every Sunday. Uh, and so that would kind of that kind of started my relationship with God. That started my relationship with God. And then as I got older, you know, God has really been a huge part of my life of me getting over obstacles because I grew up in the church. But there's so many obstacles that I've come up against that if it wasn't for my faith, if it wasn't for Jesus being installed in me at a young age, I don't know if I would have got over it. You know, so I can give you some examples. When I grew up, um, please do. Uh, Prime example, let's talk about college, because a lot of people don't know this about it unless you was back in that time. Uh, So I got into some trouble when I was in college. My junior year, the summer of my junior year, I end up coming back to my hometown, uh, Little Washington, and I end up getting into an altercation, getting into a fight. And when this happened, I end up, for one, we didn't go to court until a month before the draft. And at this point in time, I'm all in the paper, coach. I'm all in the front page of the paper because uh, I got into altercation. I'm in the front page of the paper back in my hometown. Uh, Terrence Copper uh, sentenced or Terrence Copper uh, with a felony, you know, hanging over my And this is this the point in time in my life where it was me and Larry Fitzgerald going back and forth on the football field. I'm at East Carolina, Larry Fitzgerald at Pittsburgh. Uh, right. We're fighting back and forth to the most catches in the nation. At one game, I'm leading the nation in catches. The next game, he's leading the, name in, leading the nation in reception because of uh, how many catches we're getting. But here I am. Um, my junior year, some of my junior year, we don't go to court until my senior year. We don't go to court until my senior year. A month before the draft. That's when we actually go to court. And I end up getting convicted of a misdemeanor uh, assault charge. Uh, and that was, that was me getting into a fight, you know? And the crazy thing about it is I would take back coach. And it's crazy for me to say this. I would take back the fact that I got to the altercation because I hurt the kid, but I wouldn't take back the lessons that I learned from it. Uh, I learned a lot of lessons, man, when it comes to adversity, a lot of lessons when it comes to my faith and how much faith I really have. Uh, because that, I suppose, got drafted between the third and the fifth round. But because of that altercation I got in, all of the scouts, they kind of backed away from me when it comes to me getting drafted. Because they were like, okay, this kid must have character issues. And not really knowing what kind of actually led up to the fight. You know, and, and, and again, it was all on me. I can't blame anybody for anything. It was all on me. Like I said, this important time when my grandmother, she had passed. I told you I was raised my grandmother. Right. And once she died, I started to act out. And when I say act out, I'm talking about uh, partying, alcohol, women, doing everything up I was big enough to do because I was just hurt and I was acting out. Uh, definitely things outside of my character, but that's what I did. And I mean, I don't I don't regret any of it. I. I understand the lessons that came behind it. But if it wasn't for my faith, I don't know if I would have made it because for one, I didn't get drafted. And then when I didn't get drafted, the Dallas Cowboys, they picked me up. And here I am on I'm on the roster when you have 10 receivers on this roster and I'm in training camp uh, as a free agent. 
and I'm number 10 on the depth chart, and we're only keeping five receivers. Four of the receivers played last year for the Cowboys. So basically, you got about six guys fighting for one spot. And I remember just as good, Coach, when we got to uh, we got to training camp, uh, the interview, the uh, not the interview lady, but the news lady that was covering the Cowboys, she came to me and she was like, Mr. Copper. So she put the mic on my face, Mr. Copper. So if if you don't make the team, what's plan B? And I told her, I said, ma'am, I don't have a plan B. See, she didn't know my story because my plan B was if I don't make the team, because I got sued for $15,000, coach. I'm a college kid. I don't have any money. My parents didn't grow up with a silver spoon in their mouth. So we don't have $15,000 to find, you know, to pay this. NIL. <laughs> exactly. You know, so here I am. I owe $15,000. Um, and it's either pay the $15,000 or go to jail for 45 days because I got put on probation for two years. I'm on probation for two years. And so I started praying. I was telling the lady, ma'am, I don't, I don't have a plan B. This is my plan A, B, C, and D. Because like I said, she didn't know my story. She didn't know if I didn't make this team, I was going to jail for 45 days. But I knew where my faith came from. I grew up in church. So I started doing everything I knew I was supposed to do when it comes to my relationship with God. I started reading my word. I started really just relying on God and just focusing on God. And what God does is he allowed me to make this team and to pay that $15,000, right? right? But this now it starts something else different when it comes to my relationship with God. Because now that's the first time that I actually had a chance to see God work in my life. And I knew God always worked in my life. But me actually asking for something and praying for something and he actually and I actually see it or I can say I actually see it, I actually finally notice something that God does in my life and not just going by the way thinking it's supposed to happen. But I actually noticed that God really came to bat for me. So because now I know the power of God and I know God is going to be there with me. So now what I started doing was I started in the Bible. It said you need to praise God in and out of season. So I started doing exactly that. During training camps, when I'm trying to make the team, Lord God, please allow me to make this team. I would do your will. I would do everything big enough that I should be doing. And once I make the team and I make my money, because a lot of people may not know. So in the NFL, when I was playing, you had 17 weeks, 16 games, the 17 games now. So in the, in the span of 17 weeks, if I got a million dollar contract, I'm going to make a million dollars in 17 weeks. But after the 17 weeks is up, the season is over. And so you don't get paid again until next year. So during training camp, when I'm trying to make this team, I'm praying to God and God allowed me to make it. But as soon as I make all the money I, was, I wanted to make, the season was over with, I go back to doing everything I was big enough to do, coach. Partying, women enjoying doing whatever I wanted to do soon as soon as the season rolled back around again I got to make the team again guess what I'm doing I'm back praying to God God please allow me to make this team yeah I was wishy-washy right with my uh my relationship with God and I tell people all the time I was confusing routine with commitment routine is me just praying every day uh asking God to forgive me and different things like that. Reading my Bible maybe three times a day, two, three times a day. To me, that's routine. And that's what I was doing. I wasn't committing myself. I wasn't doing what the Bible was telling me to do, what God is telling me to do, how to focus my life, how to stay on track. I wasn't doing those things. And so 
I feel like that was a big reason why. And when you look at my career, I played in the league nine years. But to me, I wanted to stay with one team the entire time. I didn't want to bounce from team to team. And yeah. it wasn't until I got to Kansas City where I was spiritually, um, what can I say? I was spiritually challenged to where we had Bible study. We had couples Bible study. We had team Bible study. So I was always in the mix of God when I was with Kansas City. So it kept me focused. It kept me locked in. It kept me continuing to build my relationship with God uh, and not just build my relationship with God, helping other guys on the team. Because now my role has changed. I'm a veteran on the team now. You know, I'm not a young guy coming in. Now my, my role has changed. So now I'm trying to lead other guys to God and showing them how to go about it, not constantly throwing it in their face about God, but just how I go about my life. Yeah. Uh, and and that was one of the biggest experience I had with God, not my only, but one of the biggest experience I had with God, because that was a tough time for me, uh, losing my grandmother, also being in the news, uh, not being drafted because of decisions I made. But that was a tough time in my life trying to get over that. Yeah, just go, uh, kind of going back to to the young Terrence Copper again. Uh, who were some people in your life that maybe were mentors outside of your family? Were there any coaches or pastors or someone you remember there? My head coach in high school, uh, Coach Pascal. Coach Pascal. Uh, I want to say he's at River. Well, he was at Riverside last. I don't think he's there anymore. But Brian Pascal, he was there the entire time, helping to mentor me. Uh, even when it came to come to me getting eligible to get into college, you know, he was telling me, teaching me, telling me the right classes to take. You know, help me with my homework, get me in contact with people that could help me with homework. Because in the, the day, like I, said, I didn't have a father figure at the house. My mother worked all the time. My grandmother was older. She couldn't help me with my homework. Uh, and that's one thing for the younger kids that are, are watching this. If you have parents at the house that that's helping you with your homework, you got to be thankful for it because everybody don't come home to a family that can help them with homework. And that's how it was for me. You know, when I did my homework, if it was right or if it was wrong, I wasn't going to know until I got to school and my teacher checked it for a grade, you know, because yeah. I just didn't have that support system to help me with homework at the house. So whatever grade I got, that's what I got. But Coach yeah. Pascal uh, was a guy that was really there for me uh, my entire time in high school, even when I got out of college, even when it came to help me find the right college to go to. Coach Pascal did a real good job with that. Uh, but when it comes to mentoring, I didn't have a lot of father figures in my life uh, when it came to mentoring outside of it. Right. Coach Pascal did a great job with it as far as he could take me. But I just didn't have a lot of father. I didn't have a lot of male figures that I could really kind of go to and sit down and, and talk about the things I was going through in life. I really I just really didn't have that type of male figures. I had some older men in my life, my Uncle D, uh, but he was in the 70s, you know, yeah. so I, I just really didn't have anybody that could, I could relate to. That was a male figure growing up like that. Well, in my, you know. Uh, I guess 32 years of collegiate coaching. Uh, I'm going to say that I coached uh, 60, 70% maybe 
young men that did not have a father figure in a home uh, of all races, creeds, and color. And basically, uh, how, how important do I think that is? I think it's, I think it's extremely important. Uh, but I will tell you this. I have met and coached players and some great people who had very strong grandmas. And I don't know what it is about a grandma. I had a couple myself, I can tell you, that were, were strong and cared a lot about me. Uh, and um, it was tough to lose them. But you look at Rod Coleman, for instance, uh, and I did a podcast with Rod. And if you go back and listen to that podcast and tell his story, you know, uh, grandmas are extremely important. And uh, I know some grandmas that are pretty tough, too, that I met over the years on recruiting trips and so forth. And, uh, you know, had to report back to from time to time. So. Uh, but, yeah, it's. Uh, it, it's very interesting you say that, but at the same time, it's it's so good to see. Even after she passed, what she instilled in you later on caused you to get back on the right track. Right. And that's something you can always be thankful for in relationship to what she instilled in you, because those things we don't forget. That's and now look what you're doing for your own family, probably because of her. That's the truth. Yeah, that, that is. And, one and thing that's the stuff. Yes, sir. One thing she installed in me was, of course, how to treat people, treat people the way they want to be treated. But also she installed Jesus. Uh, yeah. Coach, at the end of the day, man, I could be stripped down to nothing, to be honest with you. And I, I'm not just saying this come on your podcast. I just told somebody this two days ago. I could be stripped down to nothing. Uh, God can allow something to happen to me and I don't have any more money. I don't have anything that could happen. Life happens. But one thing about it is I'm going to be okay regardless because I got Jesus. As long as Jesus is my foundation, I can always get back anything that is taken away from me that God allows to be taken away from me. Right. You can always get anything back. But if you, as long as you have that foundation of Jesus, everything else can be can be given back to you. And that is one thing my grandmother installed in me, Jesus, the love of Jesus, the love of God. Uh, and as long as you have him, nothing else matters. I'm, I'm thankful God has has continued to be blessing me and being me able to be able to bless others because of what he's done for me. Uh, but like I said, my foundation is Jesus. And, and that is that's why I stand on. Yes, sir. It's about believing. I go back to that 1991 chant in Dottie Ficklin, uh, we believe. And uh, same thing applies. Same thing applies in our spiritual life. Um, so, you know, we went ahead and, and started talking a little bit about the NFL. And I got this thing that I started once a month for, for former Pirates called Locker Room for Life. Uh, uh, we got a, a presentation next week on nutrition. I got a guy coming on, so I'm trying to get you know, more and more folks to tune into that. I, I got this idea from the general manager from the Steelers uh, who basically started a program called Lend a Hand. I had him on a podcast where basically what he talks about is some of these guys get out of pro ball and, and, and when the lights go out, they get lost. And so uh, he's got about 
30 or 40 uh, former Steelers on, on his, uh, on his monthly deal. Um, but uh, I guess what I want to ask you is in your opinion, uh, you've people that you've met in the NFL, uh, what are some of the things that causes people with talent uh, to go by the wayside? Uh, when it comes to actual on the field gameplay, well, whatever you want to mention. So if we if we talk about actually on the field, uh, because I've seen a lot of guys that I played with, played against, or once I got there, they got released from a team and I stayed. And when you get to the NFL, you see some freak of nature talent when you're out there. You know, it's, it's some talented people out here when it comes to playing the game of football. And a lot of times the reason why a lot of talent go to the wayside is for one, whether they, they may be uncoachable and they're not willing to put in the work outside of practice uh, to continue to develop. Uh, because talent, if you're just trying to go off talent, talent is not enough once you get to the league. It's, it's not enough. Everybody's talented. You know, you got to have a work ethic. Uh, you got to pay attention to detail. You got to pay, pay attention to fundamentals. So if you have a kid, I don't care how talented he is, if he doesn't pay attention to those details and the fundamentals of the game and have a great work ethic, he's not gonna he's not gonna last long, and he's definitely not gonna top out to where he should top out at uh, because he's just not putting the work in. But when it comes to let's talk about outside of the football, let's talk yeah, about once right. we're done. Once we're done with football and we retire, one thing I can tell everybody, anytime you're trying to make that transition from playing a sport that you've been playing all your life, it's a sport that you love doing. And for for those lights to go out one day and all of a sudden now you don't have that sport anymore. It's tough to find your way because you've been doing something all your life, a game that you've been playing all your life and. It's just something that you love. It's hard to go and find another job that you love the same way you love playing bad. I mean, whatever sport you just came out of, let's say football, we talking about football. It's hard to go to a job and do something that you don't love doing. So sometimes that get a guy, get a lot of guys caught in limbo because they don't know what to do next. Uh, and on top of that, not only, uh, do you not know what to do next? It's like now you're trying to think of a job. What can I do that will still give me that same fulfillment that I had when I was playing? Right. And that's something else that's hard to that's hard to go by. Uh, luckily for me, I got into training, so that was kind of a great transition for me to life coming from the NFL. Because uh, I'm like everybody else. It's Transition from the league, it wasn't hard. It wasn't easy. Me transitioning to training and different things like that and, and guest speaking and different things like that, that was that made my transition easier, but it didn't make it easy. And even now, coach, I'm still making that transition uh, from the league. And I've been retired since 2013. It's been 10 years and I'm still transitioning. I'm still working on transitioning, uh, you know, just trying to keep stay focused on what I want to stay focused on and not get caught up in, uh, I miss playing. I, I wish I could go play again. Yeah. 
Uh, so it's a lifelong journey. It's not just something that you just get over with after a few years you finish playing. You know, and then you get to the point to where, you know, after you do transition, now you get to the mental side of things to where you've been playing or you've been doing this sport at the highest level forever. And everybody think you have so much money and you can have money and you can have money saved up. But guess what? When you have a lot of money coming in as fast as it came in when you played, you live a certain lifestyle. Yep. And if you're living that certain lifestyle because it's conducive to the money that you're making, once that money stopped coming in the way it was coming in, you got to change your lifestyle. Now you can't continue to spend money the way you were spending. You can't continue to do certain things you was doing because you have six figures, seven figures coming in yearly. You don't have that no more when you when you retire. You know, you don't have that amount of money coming in like that that fast. So if you don't change your your living habits, you can easily find yourself going broke because you're living a habit to where you don't have the income to support your habit. Right. So you have to be disciplined enough to change how you go about things. You know, now instead of, you know, usually when, you know, let's take my family, for instance, it's five of us. Now, instead of us getting on a plane and we might fly to Atlanta, instead of getting that plane and flying, we may drive eight hours. You know, just little subtle things like that right. that you got to make adjustments to. I mean, of course, if we go in farther places, OK, we'll get on the plane. But if we can drive it, we'll drive it. You know, it's all about making those adjustments and it's all about not caring about what the people outside of your household thinks. Even when it comes to you getting a different job, because the mental part kick in now, OK, is this job. Am I going to get this job? How are people going to view me when I get this different job? Are they going to view me as dang why he working here or working there? And he played so long in the league. Yeah. You know, the mental stuff come in now that you have to be able to deal with and not worry about what people are thinking about. You just got to live your life, you know, and and not worry about what people are going to say, because you can have all the money in the world. But if you constantly have bills going out and you don't have money coming in, you just living off of savings. Guess what? You're going to be broke soon. I mean, okay. that's a simple way. You know, so a lot of those things come into play, man, when you're transitioning from whatever sport you've been in uh, for that many for that many years and that long. Absolutely. I'm still transitioning out of coaching, but I'm 67. <laughs> it's a lifelong. <laughs> my, my wife keeps taking me on vacations and reminding me, hey, dummy, you, you're retired. You know, <laughs> let's go somewhere else. So, you know, right. so we'll, we're having fun. That's good. That's yeah, we just good. got back from Florida a few days ago, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, just, uh, I think it's just really important for young athletes, particularly collegiate athletes, to hear. You know, you you think when you go to the league and you hear these numbers, and if you make a million dollars immediately, it's five hundred thousand anyway because right. all the scams <laughs> coming in. Then when you get get out of the, and of course you go out and you know you you might buy you two or three vehicles or whatever and uh, you know which is the worst investment a lot of times mm-hmm. and then uh, you know then when you get out of course you you might not even be thirty years old you got to realize you got a long way to go that's a whole lot of years to support your family yet mm-hmm. 
So, uh, yeah, it's really great for, for young athletes to hear that because it's so true. And uh, so I also wanted to get back into your ECU career now. And, um, you know, of course, I had a chance to, to coach you for a little bit of time before I left to, I left in 2001, but uh, I certainly enjoyed coaching you. And, and then when I, when you showed up uh, at Carolina for that game, uh, when I was across on the other side and, and uh, David Gerard, he flag, I think the first play of the game, I said, Oh man, now, this might not end well up here because, you know, they also got the L train at tailback mm-hmm. and uh, the L train got hurt in that game. But uh, yeah, that was a very, very tough experience for me. And it's, it's, it's always tough every time I was at, you know, Carolina plays East Carolina. I'm on one sideline half the time. I, you know, uh, I always tell people, well, I did have a winning record. And I, you know, when I came back to ECU, we beat the, uh, Carolina three out of five times, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I got some got some enjoyment out of those, but it was always very tough, you know, because you love love those guys on both sides of the uh, of the sideline there. And uh, I, I don't know how many people have experienced things like that, but it's it's pretty tough. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about your experience when uh, when Coach Logan was there. Of course, uh, can can you tell me who who had recruited you out of Washington? What uh, was it? One of the assistants, or was it Coach Logan came to see you? Or how'd that work? So Coach Mac, Coach McManus, he, yeah, uh, he came. He recruited me. He was he was the running back coach for East Carolina when I was there, uh, but he recruited me and. And once I got there, once I once I went on my visit, Coach Logan, this is what he did. He, Coach Logan was a great recruiter. He know how to use his words. Uh, he know how to phrase words. He know how to say certain things uh, to get to you without actually coming out and saying certain things. You know, so what he did was because he knew if I went on, because I was recruited by Penn State. I had offers by Penn State. I had offers from South Carolina. I had offers from Wake Forest, Kentucky. Notre Dame. So I had some some offers from a lot of big time schools. And when I went to East Carolina, Coach Logan pulled me in his office. He was like, listen, we want you to come here. He said, when you leave here, you'll be the number one receiver to ever play here. Uh, he said, I could keep my number because I'm of course I'm coming from high school. Everybody want their high school number. He said, you yeah. can keep the number seven. And he said, we won't red shirt you. Uh, one thing that, that stood out to me, the fact he said he wouldn't red shirt me was big to me because you have to think about it. I'm a kid that played varsity all four years in high school. I started all four years. So I'm not trying to sit out at all because I'm not used to it. I just been playing. I've been playing ball forever. So I wasn't trying to sit out. And so that was another thing that caught me. And then one thing he said, and he said, well, Copper, he said, I got one, one stipulation though. I said, he said, if you go on any other visits, I'm going to take your scholarship. I'm going to pull my scholarship back if I go on any other visits. Oh, yeah, that was, already, that was his deal. He already, yeah. he already yeah. knew. He yeah. knew if I went to another school to see what they had to offer, that more than likely at that point in time, I may not chose East Carolina because of the other schools that was yeah. pulling at me. And so, and he got me with it. I didn't go on any other visits. 
I stuck with East Carolina. Uh, another reason I stuck with East Carolina because my girlfriend uh, was pregnant at the time. My oldest son, she's my wife now, but she was pregnant in high school. And that was another reason for me wanting to stay at East Carolina. But man, Coach Logan taught me so much when it comes to X and O's. He taught me so much. And then when it comes to when it comes to you, I got to bring you up. When it comes to you, even though you was there with me one year, I got to bring you up because me coming to college and to have the type of coaching that you was giving me, how hard you was when it came to the conditioning, when it came to just uh, mental toughness, that's all I knew coming to college. So I'm thinking this is what every college does. You know, this is how every strength coach is. So no matter how hard it is, I was willing to do it because that's all I knew. All I knew was the way coach Jeff Connors, the way he coached, how hard it is. That's all I know. If I want to play college ball, this is how college is. I didn't know another program, you know, and when I came in, conditioning was hard for me. I could run, but it was hard for me to run. Uh, so I remember one day, this, this was on a Tuesday, and we had those four full gashers after practice. And yep. here go another week. I didn't make it. And then you told you told Coach Logan, you and Coach Logan had a, a conversation right on the field. And it, he was like, you said something to the part of, listen, you ain't playing on site if you can't make my conditioning. And then Coach Logan said, well, Coach, get him in shape because he got to play on Saturday. And sure enough, look, you put me on that Stairmaster. I never heard of a Stairmaster before, a step machine. After practice, after we ran those four gashers, and I missed one of them. Yeah. Like usual, you put me on this step machine in the weight room. I think we had to lift weights afterwards. I think it was like a 45 minutes lift, 45 minutes to an hour lift after practice. But you didn't have me lifting. You put me on that step machine for 45 minutes on level 12. And I've never been on the step machine before. And when I tell you what that did for me mentally, it pushed me to another level. Of course, it was taxing on my body. But the reason why I wasn't making my conditionings and the reason why I wasn't I was falling by the wayside conditioning purpose wise is because of the mental part. It wasn't because my yeah. body couldn't do it. It was just because mentally I couldn't get over that hurdle. Right. And one thing that I realized is that your body can do a lot more than what you think it can do. It's all about how far your mind and your brain and your your mental can push it to go. And so right. my mental was collapsing before my body was collapsing. And so that's why it was tough for me to do the conditioning. But when you put me on that stair machine for 45 minutes and I didn't fall off and I was up there about to cry, guys telling me to fall off and different things like that. And I was just sticking with it. Mentally, it was pushing me to a whole nother level. And ever since then, I made all my conditioning uh, when it comes to those Tuesday practices. And them 800s might have been a little different that we had to run for conditioning, uh, our test time. But you talk about 300s, right? The 300s, yeah, yeah, the eight 300s. That's what we had to run, the eight 300s. Okay. That's time. Now, I may have to do that twice, but I made the uh, the four full gash that we had to start making every Tuesday. But that was because of how you pushed me. And that work ethic and that mental toughness propelled me into the league with the same type of work ethic. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, I do remember that to an extent, but uh, I probably had a – Three or four other guys I put on there that day too, maybe. Who knows? Right. But we may. I watched uh, Netflix uh, Swamp Kings the other night, mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, that approach was pretty brutal. Uh, I don't know what people would think about it. You know, Mickey Marotti is a friend of mine. He's at Ohio State now. He's a strength coach there, making about 900 grand a year. But he was the strength coach uh, with uh, Urban Meyer at that point. And, uh, you know, they had the guys come in and work out at midnight. That was their lifting time. Mm. Uh, so that's a little wake up call. But when I, all things considered, all the things that we did, uh, you know, we weren't, we weren't far off from what they were doing really. And, uh, you know, and I, and I believe in those things, of course. Um, so, you know, uh, check that out sometime if you get a chance and, uh, tell me what you think. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. It's Look. interesting. A good, a good friend of mine, uh, Siler, Brandon Siler, he played for Florida, and he's a, a real big advocate uh, for Florida Gators, and he's been pushing out, talking about that, uh, I guess that documentary, The Swamp Kings. Yeah. He's been pushing it. He's been talking about it a lot, telling me to watch. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, I'm going to check it out. Well, Mickey at Ohio State, you know, he when I retired, he said, hey, would you like to do a Zoom call and talk about speed with my staff? So. I got on there and, you know, talked about speed. And he said, hey, now I want, I want you to tell, because I was at Cincinnati. He said, uh, that time we came down there with Rick Mentor and it was muddy. And you had them two guys fight in the locker room before the game. Tell my staff that story. So, <laughs> so I told him that story. Uh, I had, to, I can't remember the guy's name right now. He sold insurance in Greenville, but I always had him come and teach uh, hand quickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, to our guys, and uh, I remember he hit Jeff Carr in his elbow. And this guy only this guy he must not have weighed but about 170 pounds. But Jeff Carr thought he got his elbow broken. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, he brought in two guys for me. Uh, we fought through. They fought three rounds in the, in the locker room before the game. And Coach Logan didn't know what we were going to do it. So when he lo- walked in the locker room, he was quite surprised. But uh, yeah, Mickey had me tell that story. We won the game, so that was good. Uh, so, um, if you would uh, talk a little bit about uh, your mentors in the NFL, some of the coaches you really thought a lot of and why, and, uh, of course, I'm familiar with the coaches. I've visited the, probably half a dozen NFL teams over the years. You know, I visited Mike Clark when he was at Texas A&M. Uh, he's one of the first persons I visit. And then uh, Steve Watterson's still a good friend of mine, uh, Al Miller. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the people that influenced you in the league. So the ones that influenced me the most in the league was even though I came in under Bill Parcells when I got to the when I got to Dallas my first years, Bill Parcells was a first first of all, just meeting him, you gotta make sure you don't get starstruck because this is the big tuna. This is this is oh, Bill Parcells, yeah. Hall of Fame coach. You know, so when you, when you meet him, you got to keep your composure and, and just understand that, okay, this is – you're not a fan anymore. You're here. You're here. So right. Bill Parcells, he really did a great job in being hard but fair. And that's one thing about him. He's a tough coach, but he's a fair coach. Uh, if he see that you're you're good enough, he's going to play you. And, right. and, and, I, and I love that about him. But – a coach on that staff that really mentored me a lot and throughout my entire career, and I kind of get into it, Todd Haley. Todd Haley was 
the receiver coach for uh -huh. Dallas when I was there. And he was one of the guys that would, he would dog cuss me. Uh, when I say dog, cause I'm talking about he called me every curse word in the book, you know, and, and one thing he, he was a great receiver coach, but he was tough. Anybody that's been coached by Ty Haley understand that he can be an a-hole. He can be that. And, yeah. but again, me, my first year coming to the league, my first two years in the league, I'm thinking this is what the NFL is like. This is how you get coached. So I just got to take it. And so that's, that's the, that's the beauty of coming to a situation and it's hard because that's all, you know. And so that's all I knew. And like I say, he used to dog cuss me in practice every day. Uh, but what he was doing, he was building mental toughness because if I can handle his type of coaching wouldn't nothing break me when it comes to the game time, I wouldn't be on the field and the situation would never be too big for me because mentally I'm so mentally tough. And the way he talked to me, the way he coached me, how hard he coached me, I never gave him lip back. It was always, yes, sir. No, sir. I was the same person when I showed up every day. I didn't come in one day. One day I got an attitude. Another day I'm coming in happy. Every day you see me, I was the same guy, regardless of how coach coached me or how hard he coached me. I was never that guy that was going to give him lip back. It was always, yes, sir. No, sir. And and one thing that did was I was with Dallas my first two years. Todd Hay was my receiver coach. Once I left Dallas, I went to New Orleans. And when I went to New Orleans, Sean Payton was my head coach in New Orleans. Well, before I got to New Orleans, Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And again, he understood the type of person I was. He understood I could take coaching. I was going to be a great guy in the locker room to help mentor other guys. So soon as Dallas, soon as I got released from Dallas, the next day he picked me up and I'm in New Orleans. And so mm -hmm. now when I'm in New Orleans, um, we play the Eagles for summer. I'm in New Orleans for three years. We play the Eagles all three of those years. And remember me coming from Dallas the Eagles was in our division. So me playing for Dallas for two years, we played the Eagles twice a year. So I played the Eagles four years in Dallas and three years when I was in New Orleans. So that's seven times I played the Eagles. So watch this. So once I played, once I left New Orleans, I get picked up by Baltimore. I get picked up by Baltimore and you got to think about it. Coach Harbaugh used to be the special teams coach for the Eagles. He doesn't see me. Seven yeah. different times in my career <laughs> play against the Eagles. And I dominated the Eagles on special teams every year. So now when I leave New Orleans, Coach Harbaugh picked me up, bring me to Baltimore. Yeah. Well, watch how this go full circle. Once I leave Baltimore, I go to Kansas City. When I get to Kansas City, who's the head coach? Todd Haley, my receiver coach from Dallas. My first two years in the league is now the head coach of Kansas City. So once I leave Baltimore, the next day he picked me up and bring me into Kansas City and I finished my career out in Kansas City. All yeah. because of me being able to take hard coaching and not getting the attitude and going about and doing things the right way. And, and then to say my last two years in Kansas City, I'm team captain my two last two years. But a lot of it came from the mentorship wow. of Todd Haley of how to go about my business and how to take tough coaching 
and how to understand adversity and still do the right things through adversity. So Todd Haley really mentored me and he didn't even know it, but he was mentoring me the entire time. Well, it always pays to have character, brother. Ain't no, right. no doubt about that. Yeah. So uh, let's let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about the Premier Sports Academy, mm -hmm. uh, what your vision was there when you started it, and, you know, what your vision is for the future. And, uh, you know, I've been over there a few times. And it's just, uh, just wonderful how you've uh, provided something for young people and, you know, how you're, you've been influencing them, giving them a chance to learn how to compete. And uh, I, I really recognize and appreciate your enthusiasm and what you're doing with these kids. Uh, it really shows. So uh, congrats on that. And, you know, tell us a little bit about the Premier Sports Academy. Well, I appreciate it, Coach. So the Premier Sports Academy is a training program. It's a training, it's a training uh, facility. A 20, we got a 28,000 square feet training facility. We have a, a turf area with a weight room. We have meeting rooms up top. Uh, we have a uh, full industrial kitchen where we sell protein shakes and different food for the kids for recovery. Uh, we have a full gymnasium. Uh, and some of the programs we have, we have a speed and agility strength training program where kids can come in three to four times a week and get speed and agility work, strength training work. We also have after school programs, summer programs where we go pick kids up from school, help them with their homework afterwards. Uh, during the summertime, we have summer programs where we, where kid, you can parents can drop their kids off seven o'clock in the morning, and they don't have to pick them up till five o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so those are part of the programs. We have AAU uh, travel basketball programs. So we have teams that we we travel trying to get kids looks from different colleges, uh, and we start from from fifth grade on up to tenth, eleventh grade. Uh, we also have seven on seven programs. Again, where we this, we do this in the springtime and we start from eight years old, always up to 18 year olds. Uh, and we have basketball leagues, summer leagues that we have. Uh, so there's a lot. We have individual receiver training, individual O-line training, individual linebacker training, any position you want to that you want to train for in the sport of basketball, not basketball, not just basketball, but football. We have those coaches to help you in those specific uh, positions that you play in the same thing with the basketball program. Uh, we also have room for birthday parties. Uh, anytime you want to rent the facility out, there's options to do that for family reunions. So it's it's a huge multi-complex. Of course, we focus on the training, but there's so many different other things that provide as well. Well, that's awesome. I mean, uh, that's that's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was... I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, so, you know, you might want to maybe uh, one of these days get a wrestling man in there and roll it out. Maybe we get a wrestling program mm -hmm. going up in there. Right. <laughs> right. That's a great idea. <laughs> but um, so, uh, you know, before we sign off tonight, I, I definitely want you to talk about your wife uh, because she is very involved in the business and uh, uh, probably keeps you straight. Mm -hmm. But uh, talk a little bit about candy, man. So what can I say about candy? It's, it's so much I can say about her. Uh, we've been together for. Put it this way, we've been together since we was juniors in high school. I'm I'm 41 now. 
So yeah. you can kind of do the math on it. Uh, we, that's how long we've been together. We have three beautiful children together. Uh, our oldest being, he'll be 23 this year. Our daughter, she will be 20 this year. No, she'll be 19 this year. Sorry, Naya, if you oh. watched it. She'll be 19 this year. Our youngest, he's in the 10th grade. He is 15. Uh, so uh, we definitely have a lot of, most of our kids are almost adults. Uh, but when I tell you, when it comes to the Premier Sports Academy, she I'm the face of it. I am the face yeah. of it. But when I tell you that she runs it, she runs it. All the behind the scene things, she's on it. Uh, she makes my job easy. Uh, all I have to do is train, and she she does all the back end stuff. Man, she is she a monster? She an animal when it comes to this business stuff. Uh, she also has a cleaning company called Purple Lavender, where she clean where her company cleans residential. Uh, it also cleans um, commercial as well. So if anybody looking for that, Purple Lavender is her cleaning company. Uh, when it comes to our family. She holds everything intact. Uh, of course, we are we we parent together, but when I tell you, she cuts no slack for our children. There is no slack being cut when it comes to her. Uh, she she gets on everybody about the things that she need to get on them about, and I'm more of the the disciplinary. If it ain't happening, then I come in with the disciplinary stuff, but. When I tell you, man, she is the backbone of our family. Uh, she makes sure everything is, is running the way it should run. She makes sure it runs efficiently, uh, not just the business side of things, but our family, our household as well. You know, so I'm glad you brought her up, you know, for me to talk about her because I can't say enough about her. You know, she she does a lot uh, when it comes to the business side of things and our household. Uh, and I'm thankful for her. I thank God for her, uh, because I don't know how. I would be here and the businesses would be here if it wasn't for her. Right. I'm just the face of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you are very fortunate. I, I kind of, I heard something today that I thought was interesting about the family. Uh, mm -hmm. I think a former athlete was on talking about this and he said, in my house right now, he says, uh, we turn the TV off. We turn all the phones off. And we sit down and we have dinner together and we we interact with each other. So nobody's sitting on a couch with a plate. So we're going to all sit at the table and interact. And I thought that was just awesome, you know, if we could get back to that, you know, in, in this country, uh, it probably would make a difference. Yep, definitely. But, uh, but I, I, you know, I really commend you on what you're doing with the business and uh, – what you've been doing with raising your family and, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, all the things that you're doing in life that are right in my opinion. So I, I think you. you're, I think you're a great model and example to young people around the community and also a great example to athletes coming through East Carolina university. Uh, I think maybe they should bring you in there a little bit more to talk to those guys about, uh, what to expect if they think they're going to, you know, and if they get there, you know, how to stay there. So, uh, but I do see that, uh, uh, was happy to see that, of course, uh, Holt and Ehlers made the practice squad. And I think what mm -hmm. there's uh, three other guys that, uh, 
you're probably familiar with that. Uh, what are they? Practice squad, 53 man roster. Uh, is yep. there four guys? I know we have, I know Holton is, he signed back to the practice squad. I know Keaton Mitchell, he plays running back for the Ravens. He actually made the 53 man roster. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I know those two for sure. I think there's a tight end, maybe. Is it Jones? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yep. you know, happy to see some guys made it, you know. Definitely. Man. One thing about Pirates, man, I work ethic is, and I don't know if it's something in the water here or it's just because we in, we in the East, but usually when Pirates make it to the NFL, we stay for a long time. Right. And I'm not just talking about myself. You know, you got Bonte yeah. Leach, you know, yeah. played for 10, 11 years as well. Yeah. Uh, you got the V-Man. He played for about 13 years. You know, right. so it's just it's guys that actually make it from East Carolina tend to stay for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a really good thing because it's going to that's going to help in the future, you know, get some guys in the door. Yep. You know, you got George Koontz and Robert yeah. Jones. You know. Yep, Robert Jones. Yep, David <laughs> you know, Gerard. Yep. yep. Yep, there's a, there's a whole list, no doubt. Well, hey, we, we hit on everything uh, that I wanted to hit on today. And uh, me, me and you have talked about me coming over there and coaching a little bit one of these days. I might, Definitely. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Definitely. <laughs> my my take. Techniques are old school, and uh, so you know, you. I was very impressed with you watching you train guys. I had no idea that uh, you know you were a strength and conditioning coach as well. But you do a great <laughs> job. I appreciate it, coach. Thank <laughs> you. Well, look again. That's one thing that I do. Like I said, I've been coached by Mike Clark when I was in yeah. Kansas City for four or four or five years, and I'm and yeah. you know Mike Clark very well. You know, I tell people all the time. Okay, I worked with Mike Clark for about four years. I worked with you for, for a year, been trained under you for a year, watching and you showing me how to work, different things like that when I was in college. I tell people all the time, I said, man, I have worked with two of the top three best strength coaches ever, you know, and, you know, I can't say enough about what I've learned from y'all guys because I tell people, it's a copycat league. All it is. Because you, you're going to take the stuff that you learned from coaches. You're going to take a little bit. I'm going to take a little bit of Coach Connors and put it in my pocket. I'm going to take a little bit of Mike Clark, put it in my pocket. I'm going to take a little bit of what I just know personally, put it in my pocket. And guess what? I'm going to make how I train out of all that. I'm going to put it together. And this is going to be my style. I'm going to do it like this. So it's all about just learning from the guys that you've been mentored by, that you've been trained by. and adding your flavor to it and yeah. now you have you have a system of what you do it's all about information and understanding and asking questions for when you're getting trained by coaches especially these great ones out here you got to yeah. ask ask okay coach okay why are we doing this not asking just kind of being an a-hole but just asking because sincerely you want to know okay what does this work on when we doing this what does this work on ask questions because if this is something that you're going to do when you get out you want to have those questions answered so then you know it, you know, while you're training. So and then on top of your education, when it comes to you getting certified and different things like that. So 
like I, said, I just take a little bit of everybody that I've worked with that was some good stuff and I add it to what I do. And that's my type of training. Well, strength coaches are some of the best thieves in the world. I've, I've stolen <laughs> a lot of things from, from a lot of people. <laughs> that's why I flew around the NFL for a while. But Right. Uh, well, I really enjoyed having you. We're going to sign off. And uh, please tell your family I said hello. I sure will. And uh, good screen. luck with the Premier, Premier Sports Academy. I'll be out there sometime in the near future to check it out again. And uh, so uh, this is Jeff Connor signing off for Absolute Empowerment. And God bless. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!